Hello, this is Eddie Duke. Welcome to the weekly podcast at Panther Creek Baptist Church. You know, Jesus Christ is an amazing person. As I look at our culture today, I am convinced the absolute only hope for this world in which we live is Jesus Christ. And every week, I will introduce you to messages that will communicate this hope that we have in Christ. I'm thankful that you've taken the time to catch us here this week. It means a lot to me that you would tune in, and I would love to hear from you. And now, here is this week's broadcast. Boy, it's so good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, thank you so much for coming out, and I know it's going to be a great day. I'm really anxious uh, to, uh, to hear uh, the, what the choirs put together. I know they worked really hard, and I'm so thankful for it. Uh, we're going to get to them here in a second. Uh, but uh, we do have Scripture and prayer here this morning, so I want to go ahead and start with that. Our Scripture this morning is going to be very easy especially if you've learned the memory verse for this month. Uh, the memory verse for this month, it's on the front of your bulletin, uh, Galatians 4.4, 4, uh, when the time came to completion, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Did I get that one right? Okay, about that right, so, so somewhere in there. Uh, but that's our verse for today, so that's what we're going to be looking at uh, today. Of course, we've got the, uh, con- the cantata and the choir uh, putting that together, and, and we'll be listening to that here in a moment. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and we'll start. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much uh, for this time. I thank you for this opportunity we have uh, to be here today. And again, to open up your word and, and God, just hear from you. And, and Father, we, we pray uh, here this morning because we believe and know uh, that you are a good God, uh, that you are kind, that you are gentle, and it's your desire that people will come to know you and people will come to see you in such a wonderful way. And so, Father, I pray that through these requests, people will be drawn to you and people will have a desire to follow you and seek you in all that they do. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. I do want to let everybody know that in addition to the podcast, uh, which is being recorded now, and I think it will be uh, aired at 1030, we're back online. And so we're on Facebook Live and YouTube uh, here this morning being recorded now. So, uh, so that is awesome. I'm going to turn it over to John. Thanks. I think that worked. All right. Well, let's join together uh, in a last Christmas hymn. Uh, I thought Joy to the World would be appropriate before we get started. We can't wait to uh, share with you our program this morning. Yeah, there it is. It's got the green light now. Okay, thank you, Steve. Let us all stand together as we sing first in the fourth stanza. There you are. All right. I was just going to let you know there's no uh, choir practice tonight, no choir practice tonight, and no uh, uh, Mayberry Bible study. So there won't be any activities tonight, and uh, there won't be any. Uh, are you having uh, the study next week? 
Steve? Okay, so, but no choir practice next week either, so. That's really all I had, too, <laughs> so we can enjoy the day today. I do want to let you know about uh, some things coming up already in January. Of course, uh, January 30th, uh, we want to make a note of that now. It's uh, at 6 o'clock. Uh, that's a Sunday evening. Uh, we're going to have our State of the Church address. We haven't had uh, one of these in a couple years, uh, but we've got a new direction, new focus, a uh, new vision uh, for 2022, and, and I've, I've let you know about it, compelled, Acts 2022. I was compelled to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what I was going to find there. That's our, our theme verse for this year as we come into 2022, so it's going to be an exciting year, so I want to make sure I give everybody a heads up about that, but I think that's all the announcements I had. Thanks, Scott.
what a great start. Awesome, guys. Thank you all very much. <laughs> well, I, I love this verse. I love this verse that we've been memorizing. You know, I think in the King James Version, it says, When the fullness of time came. Uh, when time came to completion. And it reminds us something about God that sometimes maybe we can overlook. And that is that God is always right on time. Uh, God's never early. Uh, he never shows up five minutes early. He never shows up five minutes late. He's always right on time. You see, God doesn't operate in, time, in the space of time and space that we operate in. Uh, God is not limited by the time constraints that we are in. We, we work in this kind of time. We think often about, okay, when does it start? Or when is it going to end? How much longer does this have? You know, we think in that limited space. But God does not think like that. And the reason why we know that is because in the New Testament, there are two words for time. And there's one word that's chronos. And we get our word chronology from that word. And chronology means exactly what we think. I mean, it's a sequence of events. It's, it's things that happen in order, in order of time. You know, this limited space. It has a beginning. It has an end here. That's chronos. That's chronology. But there there's another word to define time, and that is the realm in which God operates in, because the other word to define time is the word kairos, and kairos doesn't mean a limited space of time. Kairos means perfect timing. It means the right timing. For instance, I'm over here right now, and I'm standing here. If I were to walk over here and start talking, and then head back this way, and all of a sudden, John passes out if I'm walking past John and he passes out maybe he's nervous uh, about the cantata uh, maybe he's just tired from last night uh, you know the, all the day's activities yesterday but as I'm walking across here all of a sudden John passes out and he falls in the floor as I'm here guess what I'm here at the right time to catch John I couldn't do it over there I couldn't do it over here but right here at this right moment this right space right time I'm here to catch him that is how God operates wouldn't it be great to think in those terms to live in those terms because you and I we often think about time and we all think often think about space and sometimes we think to ourselves how often uh, does this occur to us boy wouldn't it be great if I could be in two places at the same time uh, wouldn't it be great if I could do this and that I heard a funny story now before I share this story uh, I need to issue a couple of disclaimers. Number one, it may not be that funny. <laughs> number two, it's not Blake's story, so don't blame Blake for this one. And number three is this morning when I was having coffee at home, I ran it past Lisa, and Lisa didn't think it was funny at all. Uh, so, so I just want to let you know, she said, Eddie, don't tell this story, Sharon. So I'm going to go ahead and tell the story. <laughs> And, and here it is. There was a scientist that was in that that thought like that. You know, uh, they, she. Oh, hi, Ezra. Good to see you this morning. Just looking right up here at me. <laughs> well, there was a scientist that thought like that. Boy, it wouldn't be nice if I could be in two places at the same time. I've got to teach. I've got to do these lectures, and all this while I've got to go uh, do do lab work and work in the lab. Man, it would be awesome if I could have two of me. And so she thought, you know what, I'm smart enough to make two of me. And so that's what she did. She made a clone of herself. And the clone worked perfectly. I mean, the clone thought like she thought. Uh, the clone knew what she knew. And so that was awesome. There was only one problem. This clone was obscene. I mean, this clone was disturbing. I mean, this clone had a potty mouth. It didn't speak like she spoke. This 
clone did bad things that she didn't do. And so whenever this clone was out and about, it was representing her, and everybody thought it was her, and she said, I can't do this. People think that that's me, you know, so I can't do this with this clone anymore. So she came up with an idea. She said, I'll take the clone up to the mountain. And so she took it up to the mountain, and while they were up there on the mountain overlooking the scenery and everything like that, um, i got to make sure I get the punchline right, Phil. <laughs> so let me think about it in my mind. <laughs> so as they were looking over the scenery, she, she pushed this clone over the edge, and the police came and arrested her, and this is what they charged her with. They charged her with making an obscene clone fall. I'm going to turn it over to you, John. <laughs> we'll let everybody think about that one. We'll come back to it.
See, Melody, it's obscene phone call, obscene clone fall. Get it? I played that words. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just make sure everybody understood it. You know, maybe they didn't go over, you know. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when the time came to completion, the Bible says God sent His Son. I don't know how often I read that, and I haven't thought to myself, you know, did it ever occur to me that God sent Jesus at the perfect time in history for Jesus to be received? Uh, for example, I think today, and we look at today and all the information we have, we look at TikTok and uh, we look at Meta and, and Instagram and all these things that we have to be able to communicate. And we think, man, today would have been a good day for Jesus to come uh, with all the communication devices that we have to get the word out about Jesus. Why didn't Jesus come today? Uh, because the time that Jesus came was exactly the right time time. If we look at history, it was the perfect time for Jesus to come. For example, at the time that Jesus came, people were expecting a Messiah. People were looking for a Messiah. They were actively looking for a Messiah. As a matter of fact, 400 years prior to Jesus coming, the Jews were expecting, expecting, expecting the Messiah at any moment to come. 200 years prior to Jesus coming, they were at the point where they were just going crazy. I mean, every person that came on the scene, they said, okay, this has got to be the Messiah. You've probably heard in history, in all the history books, it talks about the people known as Maccabeans. And the Maccabeans, 200 years before Jesus arrived, there were the Maccabeans. And the Maccabeans were famous because they led the Jewish people in revolt against the Syrians. As a matter of fact, there was one guy by the name of Elias uh, Maccabees. And, and whenever I think about this story, and, and again, you can read it in history books, uh, but when I think about this story, I think about uh, the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Uh, if you ever saw that scene where they were in battle and they have these elephants uh, that were in there, and on top of the elephants they have these little wagons or little baskets that people are shooting arrows from. Well, actually, that happened in history. That actually took place. It was a tactic that the Syrians used. They would get these elephants so drunk that they would be so wild that they'd put baskets on top of them, have archers there, and just charge them into battle. In one battle scene, when they first used this, there were 35 elephants charging against the Jews. Elias Maccabees came up with a brilliant idea. He said, guys, if we get under these elephants with our spears, we can bring them down in no time. Just take our spears up to the belly of that elephant and it'll come down. What Eli Elias Maccabees miscalculated was the law of gravity. So when he got under that elephant, and got that elephant, that elephant came down. And when Elias Maccabees died, people looked and said, well, 
I guess he wasn't the Messiah. <laughs> I guess he wasn't the one. Elias Maccabee had a brother named Judah. Judah died, and people said the same thing. He's not the Messiah. But they're expecting all these people to be a Messiah. When Jesus arrived on the scene, people were just hungry for a Messiah to arrive. Culturally, the world was ready for Jesus Christ. Because 350 years before Jesus arrived, there was a group, there was an empire called the Greek Empire. And there was a man by the name of Philip of Macedonia. And Philip of Macedonia had a son. And people thought this son was a really good guy. As a matter of fact, they thought he was a great guy. And they referred to him as Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great led the Greeks to conquer the known world at that time. There were no other armies to conquer when Alexander the Great died. But this is what he did. Wherever he went he took a piece of Greek culture with him and so when they conquered people they taught them Greek they taught them all about the Greeks that's why people know today Aristotle Plato Socrates because he took the language and he took the culture and he let everybody know about Greek and so at the time that Jesus arrived everybody was thinking along the same lines everybody was speaking along the same lines the world was ready for Jesus to arrive but there was one other thing that took place as Jesus arrived, and that was this. The Roman Empire was in place. The greatest empire that has ever happened. They built roads that you can still travel on today. They built aqueducts that you can go and see today. And these roads were used by missionaries to take the gospel to many different places. That did not exist before the Roman Empire came on. They also had a system that they instituted called the Pax Ramona, uh, which was the peace of Rome. And what they did in this, what they were able to do in this institution that they created was to make sure that there was peace enough to where the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ could be passed on. They had it arranged so that a ruler by the name of Augustus could issue a decree that everybody needed to go back to their hometown and register for a census so that they could be taxed in the future, and everybody complied. And so he told everybody to go back to their hometown, and a young man and his fiancée made their way back to Bethlehem. But just not any Bethlehem. Did you realize that there were several Bethlehems at the time? There were several towns called Bethlehem in that region. But he told them that they needed to go back to Bethlehem Ephrathah. Little did he know that 750 years prior to that, Micah would prophesy in Micah 5-2 that Jesus will be from the little town of Bethlehem Ephrathah. And so this is because that God's timing is always right. He got Jesus arrived at just the right time.
Thank you all. Boy, that was great. That was awesome. It was really, really good. And I appreciate all your hard work and your heart. It means a lot to me. So thank you all. They, and they're staying again for the 1030 service, right? Oh, did y'all know that? You didn't know that, Cosi? I'm sorry. <laughs> but thank you all. That was really, really good. You know, uh, what does this mean to all of us? Uh, when we talk about when, when, God, when the time of completion uh, came uh, God sent His Son. It means that God is always going to show up on time. Uh, that God is not different today than He was then. Everything God does is always going to be on time. And that means that whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm going through, we can rest assured that no matter how bad or bleak that it is, God is always going to bring it to the good Always in His time. We can know that. We can be confident in that this Christmas. You know, I, I read the, the, the rest of this passage, and I want to read the next verse in chapter uh, 4, verse 5, uh, because it says this, that He was born of a woman, born under the law, and then verse 5 says, to redeem those under the law. To redeem those. I love that word redeem. 
Because that word redeem means to bring back. It means to be away and to bring back. I've always loved that word. As a matter of fact, Job, in the book of Job, and Job was going through everything that he was going through, and when he saw God and experienced God through all the bad times that he had, the one thing that Job used, the one word to use to describe God of all that he had gone through, he could have said that God is the one who restores. He could have said that God is the one who heals. But the one thing he remembered about God was this, I know my Redeemer lives. I know He is my Redeemer. He says, I know that God is the one who brings back, that God is always going to bring us back right on time. And I want to close with this. Years ago, there was a Christian author by the name of Gene Getz. And Gene wrote a novel in which he talked about, in this novel, it was based upon a true story because he told the life of Max Walsh. Uh, Max Walsh was a person who loved to go to the slopes. He loved to ski. He loved to hike. He loved to spend time, particularly in the Austrian Alps. And he would go there and spend time. He, get, he stayed at the same lodge every time he went, got to know the lodge owner pretty well. They became friends. And one day, Max Walsh, while he was there, said, you know what, I'm going to go out for a walk. It's sunny. It's cold. But it's sunny and clear. I'm just going to go out for a walk into the hills and mountainside here. And the lodge owner said, that's an awesome idea. But be careful he said you know the weather's supposed to change he said so don't stay out too long uh, you know and, and and make sure you get back and we'll be watching for you uh, well max walsh went out into the wilderness and and while he was out the weather did change it got a lot worse it started snowing and the, and the snow started piling up and max walsh lost his bearing he lost his way. He could not find his way back to the lodge. He walked and walked, stumbled, and finally fell into a snowbank. And there, Max Walsh began to die. He began to freeze. And he just laid there, falling in and out of consciousness. And when he didn't come back, the lodge owner knew that something wasn't right. So he had a rescue dog just for this purpose. So he brought Max's clothes to the rescue dog. And he said, I want you to go and find him and bring him back. And this rescue dog had been trained in rescues. So this rescue dog went out into the snow, went out into the wind, went out into the weather, and finally came across Max Wash. And as he was trained to do, he grabbed him in his mouth by his shirt and he shook him to try to get him back alert, and he wouldn't come back alert. So he began to pull him back to the lodge. And he did this every so often. Every so often he'd shake him and then pull, shake and pull. Well, one time when he was shaking him, Max Walsh came back too. He came back from unconsciousness, and he came back, and he thought he was being attacked by a wolf. So he reached into his coat pocket, and he found a knife, and he stabbed the dog. The dog let go. And the dog made its way back to the lodge and collapsed there on the front steps as the lodge owner came out. The lodge owner looked into the snow and there was a blood trail going into the snow and the lodge owner realized what had taken place. So he got his park on and he went in the snow and followed the trail and found Max Wash. Brought him back to safety. And this is what Max Wash wrote. He said, you know, I knew that I was lost. I knew I was a goner. I knew that I had no hope laying in that snow, and it was the trail of blood that helped me find my way back to where I needed to be. Max Walsh would become a Christian as a result of that experience, and this is what he wrote as a result of that experience. He said, when I realized that I was lost and headed for hell, I realized the only way I could find life 
was to follow the trail of blood back to the cross of Jesus where I found Jesus who died for me. God's timing is perfect. God's timing is right. And God will always bring us back through Jesus Christ, no matter where we are.